You are listening to As a Woman, episode 79, Progesterone. In this episode, I'm talking all about progesterone, what it is, why it's important, and why is there so much misinformation around this topic. Welcome to As a Woman, the podcast hosted by fertility physician, Dr. Natalie Crawford, to educate and empower women. Each week, learn about your health, your fertility, and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community, fostering collaboration over competition while learning how to authentically find your voice and amplify others as a woman. Hey friends, welcome back to As a Woman. Today I'm talking all about progesterone, and that is because there is so much misinformation around what progesterone is, what a progesterone deficiency is, when it's important, and I feel like it's a good time to just break it down. Let me be really honest and transparent. One thing that has been driving me crazy is all the misinformation out there around progesterone, especially by people selling progesterone supplements or selling classes or courses or fear-mongering off of women. And this drives me bonkers because one, these are not experts. These are people who are calling themselves a hormone expert with a much lower level of education and training than your true hormone experts like board-certified OBGYNs and reproductive endocrinologists. And clinically, I see this all the time. I will see a woman with PCOS get diagnosed with a low progesterone problem and be put on a daily progesterone supplement pill while she is trying to conceive. This is effectively giving her contraception so she will not conceive. There is so much bad information, even by other healthcare professionals. So let's take it back to the very beginning and remind ourselves about what progesterone is and why it is so important. Let's start by thinking about the ovary and the menstrual cycle. So in the ovary, you have follicles in a vault. If you've ever listened to the podcast before, you've heard this analogy. All the eggs you're ever going to have are kept inside a vault in your ovary. Each month, a group of these eggs is released. Each egg grows in a follicle. Now, the ovary is a hormone-making factory. That's its primary job. What it loves to do is to make hormones, and the hormone of choice is estrogen. So in a normal cycle, the brain sends out follicle-stimulating hormone, or FSH, which stimulates a follicle to grow. It's a well-named hormone. As the follicle grows, it makes estrogen. Follicles getting bigger, it is making estrogen. And then the brain waits for an estrogen level to be high enough for long enough to sense that there is a mature follicle there. This is fabulous, really. Think about it. The brain sends out a hormone FSH to grow an egg. An egg starts to grow and mature. A follicle grows inside the ovary. That follicle is making estrogen. When the brain senses that there have been estrogen levels, of approximately 200 picograms per milliliter for 50 hours, it knows there is a mature egg. All right, so the brain senses there's a mature egg based on this estrogen level, and then another hormone is sent out called LH or luteinizing hormone. LH is the surge or the trigger to induce ovulation. Ovulation is when the egg inside that follicle, so the egg is microscopic, you can't see it, the follicle is a fluid-filled structure. The egg then finalizes the last stages of meiosis, cell division, and 
it is then released. The follicle bursts, the cyst ruptures, and fluid comes out into the peritoneal cavity, and so does the egg, which is then swept up by the fallopian tube. If you're trying to get pregnant, you have then 24 hours to have that egg be fertilized, and ovulation occurs approximately 36 hours after the LH surge. So this is how we focus on trying to time intercourse with ovulation and track cycles. But to go back to just understanding the cycle, if we're not trying to get pregnant, or even if we are, FSH is released in the first half of the menstrual cycle, stimulating an egg to grow or a follicle to grow, making estrogen. This is called the follicular phase. After estrogen has been high enough, the brain then sends out LH, the follicle finalizes maturity and ovulates, and then you have entered into the second half of the menstrual cycle called the luteal phase, driven by LH or luteinizing hormone. So FSH predominates in the follicular phase, LH is the predominant hormone in the luteal phase. And so estrogen is gradually made the first part of the cycle. It is then peaking around the time of ovulation, and then it stays elevated until a pregnancy potentially occurs. Progesterone does not exist until you have ovulated. Nope, the ovary is not making any progesterone until after ovulation. And I really love the luteal phase, which is the progesterone dominant phase of the cycle. I did almost all of my fellowship research on luteal phase deficiency. So I love natural fertility. But you guys, it drives me batty, like mad crazy when I see a panel of hormones and somebody's been told they had a progesterone deficiency and it was checked in the follicular phase or it was checked before they ovulated. That's not a deficiency. That is normal. Your progesterone is supposed to be low then. I'm going to come back to this, but that drives me crazy. So now we're in the luteal phase of the cycle. The luteal phase is the second half of the cycle. So if you have normal 28-day cycles, the first 14 days are your follicular phase and then you ovulate, and the second 14 days are your luteal phase. This is when progesterone a progestational hormone, meaning pregnancy, a pro-pregnancy hormone is high. Progesterone is essential for pregnancy. Essential. You can't get pregnant without it. So what happens is LH is released in pulsatile fashion from the brain, in pulses, and it is stimulating the corpus luteum to make progesterone until the placenta takes over if you in fact get pregnant. Now what really happens is the corpus luteum is another cyst. So it is a cyst that is from the follicle. So that same follicle that grew, it was a fluid-filled structure in the follicular phase growing an egg. It released that egg. It then healed up and became a yellow fatty looking structure and it makes progesterone. And in fact, the word corpus luteum means yellow body. So this cyst actually looks different on ultrasound than the follicle. Isn't that really interesting? Meaning when I do an ultrasound on you, at most times of your cycle, you probably have some type of cyst, either growing an egg or making progesterone. So I really hate, and so do most OBGYNs, when women get all up in arms about having a normal cyst. And it's not the woman's fault. It's just read out on an ultrasound or on a CAT scan or for something else and then we're all worried about this cyst. 
So cysts in the ovary, simply a cyst is a fluid-filled structure. They are normal findings throughout the menstrual cycle. But this corpus luteum responds to the LH pulses and secretes progesterone in a pulsatile fashion similarly, meaning you do not have a steady state progesterone level in the luteal phase. I'm going to say it again because it's really important. You do not have a steady state progesterone level in the luteal phase. It is going to go up and down. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited the summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside, enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan. It's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code A-A-W at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. Now, there are minimum thresholds so that we know that you actually ovulated. And if we check a mid-luteal progesterone level at least a week after ovulation, it should be at least three nanograms per milliliter. So it should be at least three. This is what we are looking for as doctors if I bring you in for a progesterone blood draw to see if you ovulated. I want it to be at least three nanograms per milliliter. It normally is going to range between three to 40 at any moment in the luteal phase, depending on when it is checked in relation to that LH surge. So again, no progesterone is made unless you have ovulated. And then after ovulation, it's released in pulses. Now, if you get pregnant, that pregnancy will implant and HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin, will be made from the pregnancy. HCG is made from pregnancies. This HCG 
is really similar in structure to LH. And so what does it do? It also stimulates progesterone production from the corpus luteum. In the medical world, we call this rescuing the corpus luteum. Because that corpus luteum is going to die in 14 days. It cannot function. It can't live that long off of brain surges alone. So unless it gets rescued by HCG, meaning a pregnancy implants, the corpus luteum is going to die, your progesterone levels will drop, and you will have a period. A drop in progesterone from high to low is the trigger for a period. So let's remember that two separate things are happening. FSH and LH are coming from the brain and controlling what's happening at the ovarian level. But at the same time, the inside of the uterus, the endometrium, is having a response to the hormones the ovaries make. So the inside of the uterus does not have a response to the brain hormones. It doesn't care about FSH or LH, but it cares about estradiol and progesterone. So the estradiol, the estrogen made from the growing, maturing egg, stimulates the growth of the endometrial lining into a fluffy lining, which is called the proliferating phase. It's proliferating. The lining is growing. And when we look on ultrasound in this time, we see a really organized, beautiful, trilaminar, actually three straight white lines of very organized lining. After ovulation, progesterone is made. And then we begin to see a compaction of the endometrial lining. And in fact, it becomes more homogenous. So you lose those three lines, but it becomes ready for a pregnancy. If no pregnancy happens and your progesterone levels drop, that's the signal to the uterus. Hey, we didn't get pregnant this month. Clean out this lining and let's grow a new one next month. So if you're not ovulating and you're not making progesterone, you don't have a progesterone drop, you don't have a period. Now you can sometimes have breakthrough bleeding or abnormal bleeding from prolonged low levels of estrogen exposure, and this is really common in PCOS. However, a period is truly a response to a drop in progesterone level. The other really, really important thing is that timing of progesterone is essential. Those of us in the fertility space or for any woman who's gone through IVF or done an embryo transfer, we are crazy about progesterone. The general thought is that egg and sperm fertilize in the fallopian tube and it takes five or six days for that embryo to make its way into the uterus where implantation occurs. So traditionally, implantation occurs after six days or on the sixth day of progesterone exposure. What we call the implantation window means there's actually a narrow window inside the uterus where that lining has gone from that trilaminar stage to that compacted stage. And during this small window, probably five to seven days of progesterone, the lining could accept a pregnancy. So if you have an embryo in the uterus and you haven't had enough progesterone, it will not implant. And if you have an embryo in the uterus and there's been too much progesterone, it will not implant. So progesterone is essential for implantation and for maintaining a normal early pregnancy. The placenta has to grow into the uterus, cells are dividing, and the placenta will take over that progesterone production for the rest of the pregnancy. However, until that happens, your body is dependent upon that production of progesterone from the corpus luteum. 
Okay, so one of my faculty members and fellowship, Mark Fritz, he wrote the book on REI. When he was a fellow, he did a study where they took monkeys and removed their corpus luteum in early pregnancy. And they were doing at different gestational time periods. And what they found is, yes, in fact, if the corpus luteum was surgically removed, so an oophrectomy, take out the ovary that has the corpus luteum on it, those pregnancies miscarried. They miscarried. So you've lost the pregnancy if you took away that progesterone source without having extra progesterone given. So for a woman who has to surgically have her corpus luteum removed, which happens sometimes, maybe your ovary twisted, it's a surgical emergency, whatever, you then must take exogenous, so progesterone, either pills or suppositories or injections until the placenta has taken over at about nine to 10 weeks. That is the stage nine weeks where it's safe to stop progesterone. So what you see is in IVF cycles or in cycles where the corpus luteum may not function as well, when we went into the ovary and we took follicles out surgically, or we did a controlled embryo transfer so the body's not making progesterone, we have to give you progesterone. That is a part of our fertility treatments. And if you forget to take it, you won't get pregnant or stay pregnant. It is essential for early pregnancy. End of story. All right. So when somebody says PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome is a disease caused by low progesterone levels or caused from taking progesterone and birth control pills for too long, they are absolutely false and lying to you. Maybe they're trying to sell you something. Maybe they just don't understand the disease. But yes, progesterone levels are low in PCOS and no progesterone supplements are not the solution. And no, birth control pills did not cause PCOS. So PCOS is when you have a lot of eggs inside the vault of the ovary. And so a lot of eggs are released every month. The cause of PCOS is multifactorial. It is partially genetic, partially epigenetic, means programming of fetal cells based on maternal environment, and partially your exposures, your environment, weight, toxins, and things like that. That being said, what it is, is when your ovary has so many small follicles that they all make a small amount of estrogen. And when the brain sends out follicle-stimulating hormone, it gets diluted amongst all those follicles, and none of them are strong enough to respond. No egg grows. You never get that peak estrogen level. You never trigger the LH surge. You do not ovulate, and you do not make progesterone, at least not at regular intervals. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual Multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy, and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No line shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. 
That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. Sometimes a prolonged FSH exposure will get a random follicle to ovulate, but typically irregular periods are the hallmark of the disease. Other things that happen is that since the ovary is a hormone-producing factory and it can't make estrogen, therefore it can't make progesterone because that only happens from the follicle, it shifts gears and it starts making androgens. So that LH starts just constantly going up and it's not stimulating a corpus luteum because there isn't one. And so it stimulates other cells in the ovary to start making androgens like testosterone and you can get acne and hair growth. Now, what also happens is that your endometrium just is exposed to these low level estrogen from the small follicles, never gets progesterone or gets the signal to bleed. So you have these cells inside the uterus that sit there and sit there and sit there. Now these can turn into cancer and that is obviously one of the worst outcomes that could happen. Forget about fertility and PCOS. Let's not get cancer in our uterus. So a treatment of PCOS partially is to protect the endometrium, which means giving progesterone in some form or fashion. Typically, if you're trying to conceive, this is given in a cyclic fashion, meaning a few-day pulse of progesterone if you're not pregnant. This will cause you to bleed and you have a fresh starting ground. This needs to be combined with medications to get you to ovulate, like Femara, which is letrozole or Clomid, in order to actually get pregnant most of the time. Other approaches and women who are not trying to get pregnant could include constant progesterone supplementation. So whether it's a progesterone-only shot implant or an intrauterine device, or it is birth control pills daily, that also protects the endometrium. Birth control pills are frequently chosen for PCOS because they have the added benefit of having sex hormone binding globulin, which binds testosterone, lowers testosterone levels, helps reverse some of that high androgen state, and many women with PCOS feel better on birth control pills and some of their symptoms, such as hair growth or acne, improve. But it can't reverse the disease state. So when you stop the pill, your periods will then go back to their PCOS state because that's what they really were. Your acne may get worse. Periods go irregular. Birth control pill didn't cause PCOS. You were treating your disease. And again, if you have PCOS, you don't need a daily progesterone if you're trying to get pregnant. You need ovulation induction. So go see a fertility doctor. Now, sometimes you can have regular cycles and have an abnormality within your cycles called a short luteal phase or luteal phase defect or luteal phase deficiency. I already told you this is what I did a lot of my research on. There's a huge problem here. What a luteal phase deficiency is means that something is off and the timing between the development inside the uterus does not match up what's happening at the ovary level. This could be an abnormal response to ovulation or just a failure of normal endometrial growth, but common clinical symptoms are spotting or a short luteal phase. The normal luteal phase is about 12 to 14 days in length. So what we see is that a woman ovulates and she's tracking her cycles, but she starts to notice that her luteal phase, the time after ovulation, is only eight or nine days in length. And this is too short. This means that there's some abnormal response to progesterone, and we worry that the shift in the implantation window does not match up with where the embryo is, and could there be a higher risk of infertility or miscarriage? 
Now, some people just give progesterone supplementation in the luteal phase and try to prolong it, which in fact it will because it's the drop in progesterone that stimulates you to have a bleed. So if you're taking progesterone pills in the second half of the cycle, you won't get a period on time. That doesn't mean you're pregnant, but it means you must instruct patients to take a pregnancy test. If it's negative, stop the pills, and then you'll see a progesterone drop and a bleed. However, myself, most fertility doctors believe the true problem in luteal phase deficiency is ovulation. So luteal phase deficiency is on the spectrum of ovulation disorders. This means that if you don't ovulate your best, strongest follicle, perhaps that cyst that's the base for the corpus luteum isn't strong enough to make enough progesterone from it. So it's not particularly that the brain's not sending out the right signal or that the uterus isn't responding well. It's that the corpus luteum itself doesn't have the same potential. And so it can be overcome with medications to induce ovulation just like PCOS. So very different diseases. They come from different ends of the spectrum. They have totally different symptoms. However, you can use similar medications to treat them because at the root of the issue is you're trying to get a better egg to ovulate and therefore have a functioning corpus luteum. For a luteal phase defect, you could do ovulation induction alone and not give supplemental progesterone, although a lot of fertility doctors do both because Progesterone is on the cheap end of fertility treatments, and then you're covering both bases. So if it doesn't cost much and it's not have side effects, and it may potentially help a subset of women, that's usually treatment that a lot of us go for. But luteal phase defect is a shortening of the luteal phase may have fertility implications. Now, papers all the time have been looking at how we can help women who have recurrent miscarriages and is a low progesterone part of the problem. If we think back to progesterone, remember that that corpus luteum gets rescued by the pregnancy. So there's a big chicken and egg hypothesis here, meaning if the pregnancy is not good, let's say it's genetically abnormal, it usually doesn't make the same levels of HCG as a normal pregnancy. Thus, it doesn't stimulate the corpus luteum in the same way. So there's a lower progesterone level, allowing you to miscarry this abnormal pregnancy. But there is some evidence that women or some women may just make less progesterone. Maybe it was from that corpus luteum that didn't function as well on the same mindset as luteal phase deficiency. And therefore, could you lose or miscarry a normal pregnancy on the basis of low progesterone? And in studies looking at recurrent miscarriage, there does appear to be some benefit to luteal phase supplementation of progesterone in these women. Not just I'm pregnant, so now I'm going to take progesterone, but luteal phase, after you ovulate, before implantation even occurs, supplementing with progesterone may benefit women with recurrent miscarriages. And so this is treatment that we do for some patients who do have recurrent miscarriages is say, hey, we're going to give you progesterone after the time of ovulation. Again, you have to tell a woman to stop it so she'll have a period because it will prevent a period from coming, but that is a treatment approach. All right, I know this is a meaty episode full of science, but the last couple of things I want to end on. One is the types of progesterone. In the United States right now, I can give you progesterone pills by mouth, suppositories in your vagina, or I can give you injectable intramuscular progesterone as a part of fertility treatments. That's what I got. For contraception or for protection of the endometrium, 
You can get progesterone in combined oral contraceptive or the pill. You can get progesterone only pills. You can have an IUD, an intrauterine device that has progesterone, or you can get a shot of a long acting progesterone called Depo, or you can have an implant that makes progesterone. Lots of choices. For fertility, we want shorter acting ones. So we are usually doing progesterone by mouth, in the vagina, or in the intramuscular injection. Oral progesterone pills tend to make most people not feel so great at the levels we're talking about needing for fertility treatments. Bloating, somnolence, being tired, feeling cranky, lethargy, fatigue. Meh, those aren't everybody's favorite side effects of taking high-dose oral progesterone pills. So we tend to do vaginal suppositories, one, because... You get nice circulating high levels without feeling quite as bad. And two, you're close into the organ of interest, the uterus. In treatments where your body is making some progesterone, so whether that's ovulation induction medications or you have your own natural corpus luteum or you did an active IVF cycle where you had multiple follicles making a corpus luteum or a modified natural embryo transfer where you are ovulating and doing the transfer after the fact, Those are cycles where you're a candidate for vaginal progesterone supplementation because you just need a supplement. You just need a boost. Infertility cycles where your body is making no progesterone and I am doing progesterone replacement. So let's talk about your corpus luteum is removed from your body when you're pregnant or when you are doing a controlled embryo transfer or a medicated embryo transfer, which is the most common type that we do. You need injectable intramuscular progesterone. That's what's going to get you high enough levels to really help you the most. We're not just meanies who love to give it that way. And there's a lot of pharmaceutical research going on to look at other ways of administering progesterone because getting a big oil-based shot in your butt every day is not very fun. So subcutaneous fat injections with a tiny needle or ring-based, so a vaginal ring that makes progesterone, Those are things that are being explored in other countries, and I'm sure we will start to see that migrate to the States at some point if it's proven to be successful. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. The point of this is that if you have a hormone problem, if you are having hormone issues, I want you to see a hormone specialist. That is me or one of my friends across the country. And if you don't know who to go to, Email me and ask me and I'll tell you somebody close by. But I'm so upset for you, for everybody who's trying to get help or educate themselves or seeing a care provider who is giving them false information and using their own fear about their bodies, especially around the hormone progesterone. There are even other physicians out there who do not understand progesterone. So you deserve to understand your body. When is progesterone made? What does it do? When is a deficiency a problem? What are the signs and symptoms? When should you seek help? I'm here to help you. I think understanding your body is very, very powerful. I have a YouTube video coming out this week on PCOS. So if you want to know more about that, check it out. I would love for any of you to subscribe and follow the YouTube channel, Natalie Crawford, MD. The more you subscribe, the more our message gets spread to everybody else. As always, you can follow me on Instagram or TikTok at Natalie Crawford, MD. Or you can visit the website, nataliecrawfordmd.com, and you can always sign up for the free vegan starter guide if you're interested in transitioning to a plant-based healthy living. Thanks so much, friends. Can't wait to see you later.
Hey guys, welcome to The Collective. I'm Brianne Halfrich, a 26-year-old bioethics PhD student and clothing brand CEO. Welcome to my podcast where we talk all things health and wellness, navigating your 20s, and becoming the best version of yourself. So sit down, play that episode, and join The Collective.